Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode four of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship weekly review show of all the action in Para in France, even. Some might say it was a rest week due to some heavy hitters sitting out, but the pools are finally taking shape with just one round to go. Get the calculators ready because the permutations time has started to take effect. Joining me tonight are Ed Price and Octavia Arnella, and there will be a chat with Francisco Isaac to talk about Pool C in the middle of the podcast as well. So firstly, welcome back on, Ed, and welcome to the show, Octavio. Hi, yeah, how are you? Hi, guys, thank you for having me on. It's great to have you on, as always, and we'll start things off with your own country, Octavio. It was Friday Night Lights, Italy against New Zealand. We were kind of hopeful that it would be something good, but it was a disappointing one for for the Azure in the end. Um, What was your thoughts on it overall? Well, we we crumble under the pressure of this uh, black storm that uh, attack us every time uh, was possible with all the strength they show every time as a world champions multiple world champions one of the best team in the world we we try to fight in the first 15 minutes let's say and then uh, scoring those two tries uh, one from just an exit strategy that uh, that hurts because that is like a trademark also of the Italian attack and that line break from Savea change everything. Uh, and then a couple of line outs. Everything went wrong, let's say. We tried, but they were the best in, in, the, in the field and fair play. Too many points. Nobody was expecting that, but uh, we have to suck it and, uh, and go ahead for the next game. Yeah, no, it was it was disappointing in that regard. You know, obviously considering ninety points isn't great, and I suppose I'll, I'll just stick with yourself for a minute, mate, because like a lot of talk before had I had um your fraternity rugby podcast uh, co-host on beforehand. We talked about Kieran Crowley and his reign. This I know they could go out and they could pull off a shock against France and get out of the pool, and it would be great. But this certainly seems like a a poor mark on on his record, if you know, as it is his second last game. Yeah, that's the something disappointing thing. Also, the way maybe he he spoke in the press conference, like, okay, we're gonna just no review on this game, just trying to be. That that means that he's leaving because we know Quesada is waiting for the next uh, chapter of uh, Italy development, and uh, so he said, you know what, just. Just leave it there. Let's go ahead and prepare the next one. So that was the only way. It's not the first time we we like miss the appointment. Let's see, like Batumi in Georgia, we completely like um, wrong uh, plane of attack. Uh, a lot too much kicking game for the 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 strength that we had in that team. And so we had a couple of games really 
bad uh, prepared, but this this time wasn't for the for the preparation. Was was the opponent was too good, too strong. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's a pity. You know, as we say, it is a pity. Many people expect a contest, and it I suppose for for Italy, it brings up this conversation of all oh, the Six Nations place and the Tier Two games, and it, it feels tiresome to say the least. But I suppose the other side of it is you look at games like Fiji, Georgia, like Portugal against Australia, and it just shows that maybe the issue, the reason that these blowouts are happening is because these, you know, less, I don't want to say lesser teams, but lower ranked sides aren't getting enough games against the highest opposition. Yeah, I think the, I mean, struck me is the Italy, this particular result was uh, so out of the blue. I mean, I don't think anyone really expected that type of scoreline. Um, and and credit to New Zealand, because what tends to happen in those situations, once you get to sort of 30, 40 points, is you take your foot off the, the gas and you start to be a bit more conservative, uh, et cetera. And New Zealand, New Zealand just didn't do that. They just kept going, um, which is rare. You, you know, and, and a game that they'd won, they didn't have to keep going like that. Um, and that's... Um, Maybe that's a, 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 a symptom of the fact they had that defeat from against France. And it's a case of we want to really make a make a point here. But I, 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 I agree with you. It's, it's tiresome on the whole, you know, um, tier two promotion, relegation, six nations stuff. I think it's the same arguments again and again. Italy have shown in the last couple of years that they've they've seemed to have turned a corner. Um, I think, unfortunately, as Otavio said, that. Kieran Crowley's he's he's clearly you know he's at the end of his uh, reign. You know, do the players really want to play for him anymore? You know, they've got a new guy coming in. Um, it's you get it in football, don't you? Where where managers are, who are, are, are going to be you know they're going to be leaving, you know they're going to get sacked, um, and and people down tools. Um, I think probably overall though, I think it, it's disappointing because we all felt there was possibly. Um, there was possibly a bit more uh, a bit more competitiveness with the Italian side this year. There's some great players in that team. Um, I think probably they could have done with having France or New Zealand in the first couple of games rather than having them back to back at the end. Because yeah. it, I think if they were going to cause an upset, it probably would have been catching them cold. Um, you know, uh, obviously they've got this. They've got one more chance against France, but you know, on the basis that France haven't properly qualified yet, you can't really see them taking that. You know, the, it it, oh. it seems unlikely they're gonna they're gonna slip up. But stranger things happened. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, but, but it uh, would yeah. Full strength. They're gonna go full strength. The 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 France team. Uh, I yeah. don't think they're gonna mix it up too much. Maybe they're gonna bring some good good horses in the from the bench. I, I can think maybe Makalu for some situation in the second half, but yeah, they're gonna be strong. We're gonna suffer even more because now we brought Bonfiglio in because uh, Fischetti got injured yeah. Yeah. in the games. So and probably Ferrari can go play on the left side of the scrum instead of being on on the on the right but, uh, as a tight head. A lot of changes. We don't gonna have Dino Lamb, so. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see Nicotera. Nicotera, other situation with him because he got really almost knocked out uh, tackling uh, ba- Jordi Barrett. Mm. So he has kind of HIA protocol now to follow. Just before we move off um, this game, Otavio, what obviously it's it's hard to say for certain, but what do you think would be a good result for Italy going into this weekend? What would be acceptable? Because they have to bounce back, but to their credit, they have ran France kind of close in the last few years. It's been a, a good matchup for Italy. So the key is going to be the starting properly because we always uh, have some kind of issues in the first half in the game. We suffer a lot. They score a lot of points against us every time. So that is going to be key to to be in the game. For me, uh, the key for this team always been uh, the performances, the Try to do your best, and then the result is gonna uh, come. I hope in a better, uh, better performance, and probably we're gonna be in the game uh, more time. And I, I hope if we have to lose, of course, I hope always to win. But if we have to lose, I hope it's gonna be in the last minutes of the game with them <laughs> really suffering. And uh, I want I, that. I, I, that performance is gonna help us to be to end strongly. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if you'll ever hear me say that now that I'd rather lose at the death. I think I'd rather have it <laughs> over and done with. But I suppose they're the scars of last weekend and, and so forth. And another team who, who got a big loss and, and certainly didn't lose at the death was Romania. Mm. And they fell to an 84-0 loss to a Ben Healy-led Scotland side in Pool B. A big win for Scotland, heavily rotated, but realistically the scorer is and the points differential is all you can take away from this game. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say as well is that you that there's a sort of almost same old Scotland sort of thing where you think they're expected to win comfortably. Uh, they have heavily rotated it. We've seen already in the World Cup that club teams, sorry, that have, have heavily rotated have struggled against uh, the minnow nations, the smaller nations. Uh, France against Uruguay sort of stands out um, and then Australia against Portugal. But I, I thought actually the way that Scotland went about it was quite impressive. Um, they they really, again, a bit like New Zealand, actually, they just never took the foot off the gas. And the last 10 minutes in particular, you thought, oh, hello, hundreds on, hundreds on here, um, because they were literally, every time they got the ball, they were running through massive gaps. Romania were falling off tackles anyway, but they were, there was huge gaps by the end of it. Um, and it's difficult from a Romanian point of view, what do you take from this World Cup? Because I suppose the first minute against Ireland was lovely for them, um, but then pretty much ever since then it's been dreadful and they've been all well off well off um what's been required and you sort of compare them against a portugal georgia um even namibia um have had moments and have have looked competitive at times in their final against final game against uruguay all you can hope really from romania's point of view is their final game this sunday against tonga is is competitive for as long as possible um but I, I, it's it's a real shame because Romania are a, a, a side and a country that's got a lot of pedigree in in rugby union and, and have been around in the World Cups for well I think they've only missed one. So it, it's a shame really because you want them to be competitive. It's just they're nowhere near. Um, and Scotland did really well in in in, in taking their chances in uh, playing some very attractive rugby. As well, and I think we, we've we've been used to uh, Scotland playing some attractive rugby under Finn Russell, so it's nice for them to have that that other option now. Yeah. Um, so if Finn Russell does get injured, which is always the worry, I think from Scotland's point of view, um, they they may be a little bit less concerned that there's a there basically is a guy comes in and coming in to play very similar style, um, albeit probably not as mercurial as as Finn. Yeah, one one thing about Ben Healy that. You know, I've, I've said before, he's kind of made for international rugby. He's a great passer of the ball and he's an above 80 to 85% kicker. And realistically, at test level, that's going to win you more games than the dancing of a Libok or a Marcus Smith. You know, that's just the realities of it. We'll come back to Scotland in a minute, if you, if you don't mind. I just want to touch mm. on Romania with yourself, Otavio, because like they've conceded 82, 76 and 84 points in their three respective games. They lost to Italy by 50 points and Georgia by 50 points in the warm-ups. They're not in a great place at the moment. Like again, we we don't want to be overreactionary about them at all, but it's it's not great for a country who has done well at some World Cups to to be suffering big losses like that. They lost some like the golden age that they had, like uh, probably let's think of some names. Mario Stinku was one of the best prop they they got for for years playing in France. Uh, in general, Romania got also this issue with depopulation. A lot of young people is is going somewhere else. So maybe if they're lucky, they can start playing rugby and so in other countries. So they have to go look for those players now. They have to do a different recruitment. And all the the main teams, uh, except for Bayamare, are in Bucharest. So you have to follow those guys. Maybe get some Italian guys too because there is a big population of Romanian uh, also player actually one of the number 10 of Romania in the World Cup in South Africa was my former coach uh, in under 16 so there are a lot of people that play rugby that lives in in Italy so maybe go find other players abroad bring it into the the group now there is Popescu is one of the young for the Serie A in Italy so they have to go picking players and uh, follow a, a good path of development in the in the nation because now really they're struggling and 
even Spain was pretty good. And then we know all the issues with passport and stuff happened, but that was the team in theory going better than Romania a certain last couple of years. Well, with something we'll probably get into as the season goes on is, you know, the Champions Cup and European rugby. And you do wonder if, considering the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup keeps getting stripped of teams due to financial issues, maybe the place is there to bring in a Romanian side along with the Black Lions of Georgia, along with, you know, I know the Cheetahs are, are South African and have an extra team like that and give them the chance, give them an opportunity. Because eventually, if you do build it, they will come and you hope that that's the case. We'll move back to Scotland now, Ed, because that's where an awful lot of the talk on this podcast is going to be this week. And on these shores, mm. mention the fact that you can't read too much into them. But one thing I want to talk about is they made wholesale changes for this game coming off a Tonga game where they were bruised and battered, I, I will admit. And then in the week off before that, it, it's it's a weird strategy because a lot of coaches are kind of going strong when, when they can, even in games like this, Ireland in particular. Would you be in favour of, of that, what Townsend has done? I think if it had been anyone other than Romania, I would have thought it was a mistake. Um, but clearly Romania were a very a weak side. And I think you could get away with it because I think, as we saw, uh, the bonus point was always going to be done very quickly. It was going to be a case of scoring as many points as possible. And I never felt at any point that Romania were going to offer much of a resistance. Um, I think the way that, it's probably worked out pretty well for 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 Rigger Townsend. I think he's he's now got a bit of a problem that there are a lot of players put their hands up for the Ireland game. Um, I'm sure he knows his first fifteen and twenty three that he wants to pick, but there's a few lads there who who've done really good jobs and and and, and have um, have really impressed. Um, from a Gloucester point of view, obviously we've got Chris Harris there, and I I, I always I, I, it's amazing because he's one of the best defensive centres in Europe. Um, but what he doesn't have is probably that that little bit of extra pace that you need to break the line against someone like Ireland. Against Romania, it's fine, but against Ireland, you probably need something. Like, so I, I'm expecting him to drop out of the squad um, for the Romania side. Uh, sorry, for the Ireland game, um, and probably we'll see the side that pretty much plays South Africa will play against Ireland. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting with Ireland because you know what do Ireland do? Um, <laughs> yeah. you've got you know you 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 only need a point. Uh, yeah, wait, that's, yeah, you know that's a long it's, story. It's a very dangerous, but and this is the weird thing, isn't it? Everyone was kind of expecting this sort of moment. It'll be a it'll be a foregone conclusion. You know, Ireland are going to be in the it, they're basically in the course finals, but there's this weird psychological drama now that if Scotland get a couple of tries early, and and you'd imagine Scotland are going to have to go hard early on. Um, and do you think that's that's a sudden psychological drama that Ireland might not have had to think about too much? Um, and yeah, it could be very interesting, could be very entertaining uh, from a neutral's point of view. But um, yeah, well, just to, to touch on that quickly because we'll talk about South Africa in a few minutes. Like there is the case where Scotland can come second with a four to zero um, points in the pool kind of scenario, but they haven't done that against Ireland in twenty years. Ireland haven't conceded four tries in the game in over two years, barred the New Zealand game. Like the only the only team that has done it in the last three years has been New Zealand and Japan, and one of those was in a Lions year. So there's so many different talking points, but I would assume that both sides are going to go out and they're going to give it everything. There won't be any um, match fixing, as was kind of put to Jack Nienavar there last night. Uh, we will stick with Pool B for now um, because Scotland beat Tonga last night and they're they're essentially all of all but assured of their quarterfinal spot, possibly against France, possibly against New Zealand. Italy still in the reckoning. I might just take you through this game and then hand over to you then because it was the game where Andre Pollard returned and he was very impressful, very impressing in his performance. But again, you know, Macasoli Mapimpi goes down injured. They only have two notable hookers in the squad, and what they do, they call up a Kanyuan as opposed to a Joseph Dweba. He's like these are the 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 mini dramas that always seem to follow South Africa, the big win, and I think the the week off is probably good for them because France are going to go fairly close to full strength this week, and without Dupont, so he's not going to be leading the team this week, and South Africa can just take a week off, watch them, focus on them because realistically, they have seen New Zealand enough times, you know, they know how to play New Zealand, they know how to beat them, they've done it already, 
Um, I'll go to yourself first, Otavio. Big win for South Africa and all that, but maybe just first on Tonga. I thought they were, it was probably their best performance so far. Yeah, they they were better. Let's say they they grow in the in the last games. They they show what they can do. Even maybe I think William Avili play better. Maybe his better game uh, at ten uh, in, uh, in this World Cup. Taufi Ben Taufi Inua uh, scored a great uh, great try, deserved. So really good for them because uh, from an Italian perspective, also we were we are. All looking for Malakai Fekito, how he's playing uh, for next year in Benetton, and yes. that exciting for uh, for all the Italian movement. Let's say he's one of the star, literally coming in Italy to play, and uh, the, that's awesome for for us. Tunga can grow, but he need in general different uh, option for the future. Uh, Augustin Pulu, yes, he's bring a lot of uh, competence, uh, leadership, but they need something different. For example, for me, it's at Scrum Off, and they have to grow up more, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's unlikely now that they'll qualify for the next World Cup through this one because of the fact that Scotland have two wins. I think they can't That's, They can't even get thirds. They're going yeah. to have to regroup and go again. And now, you know, I think the last two years for them was kind of, let's get these, let's get the band back together, per se, and get Fekitoa, you know, Falau didn't make the World Cup. Piatau, I thought, had a good World Cup to his credit. Peter Aki, you know, get all these guys in the field and see if it works. Now it's about moving on and seeing what they can do in 2027 and hopefully they improve. Ed, South Africa, as we said, is kind of an enigma in their own way. You know, when they're winning, they're losing. When they're losing, they're winning. It's kind of this whole charade around them. Heading into the quarterfinals now, which it looks like they will. Kevin Miller on Twitter went through the permutations. It's literally like a 1 in 20 chance. Yeah on just purely results that they don't make it. That's before you take in the fact that, you know, Scotland would have to get a bonus point against Ireland and all that thing. How do you think they're faring up going into it? Um, I have this sneaking suspicion they've been a little bit too clever for their own good. And I think it's going to go come and come crashing down the quarterfinals. I had them, as we went into the World Cup, I thought absolutely, probably joint favourites with with Ireland really um and um it, it was going to be a case of maybe whoever won that game would would probably then end up being favorites but i think they just keep making these weird decisions around selecting replacements for injuries and i've got i've just got a funny feeling it's going to go horribly wrong for them um which normally means they'll win the world cup but that's just you know the, the way that it always happens when i predict anything um i i think if they were going to prefer a, a, a team to play against, I think they'd probably prefer New Zealand. Um, I think New Zealand are certainly less of a surprise. I think they, South Africa, know they can bully them up front and would. So that's why I think they prefer them. Um, I think they could still beat France, but if 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 you were going to, if you were if you were ironically if you're a South African, uh, a South African coach or play you probably would like New Zealand instead um, which would then require a Scotland win but not enough that then puts them <laughs> puts them yeah it's all within wonderful I, I I think I think Ireland will end up winning anyway uh, and it won't it'll all come to now and uh, Slavka will be playing France but um, yeah it's 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 a very intriguing final weekend for South Africa because they kind of have to have a week off have a rest and then they'll have another week to prepare on who they're going to play. Whereas England, for example, we kind of know we're playing Fiji, um, you know, and Wales know they're going to play one of Argentina or Japan. So that it, it's it's nice and easy, probably Argentina. So it's a little bit different for 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 other teams, whereas South Africa are not absolutely 100% sure at this point. Absolutely. Just b- before we move off, Pool B, Otavio, same question to you. What have you made of South Africa so far? South Africa, I, I agree with that about that's weird uh, the way they manage all this situation now bringing Lucanio Am, you don't know how fit it is. He is uh, they they move um, different, kind of move the at 13 uh, to wait now. Let's see the conundrum about the number 11. If it's going to be like a fresh kind of moody or they're going to bring in Cheslin Kolbe from there or they're going to move somebody else. And then the, there is the situation... Of course, with Deon Fury uh, or Dutoit, uh, 
behind the the only one uh, available now a real a real hooker in the in the squad so Justin Tuefa uh, seems not to be the, the first choice neither the fourth the fifth choice of uh, Rassi Rasmus and Jack Ninaber which is weird they go in this way it can be karma who knows yeah. what's going to happen but yeah i agree with that yeah, well, the old sayings are, you know, no set. If you don't have a set piece, you can't win in in test level rugby, and it could come back to bite them. Like Marco van Staden and Dion Ferry are fine players, but they played flanker all year, and now they might be tasked with being a replacement hooker in a World Cup quarter final or final or whatever. And we'll wait and see. So that's Pool B covered, and I will move on to Pool C next. Francisco Isaac joins me to talk about that. So Francisco Isaac joins us now to talk about Pool C and we will start with Australia's 34-14 try bonus point victory over his native Portugal. Os Lobos got <laughs> off to a fast start but ultimately Francisco, the Wallabies just found a way to, to get the job done. Yeah, the Wallabies were cynical. I think when Portugal got well, uh, got that yellow card by Pedro Betancourt, Betancourt, sorry, um, Australia just capitalized it. Uh, they did what what we say to every youth team or senior team when you're playing against uh, uh, against an opposition that's 14 or 13 players. You just go all in and score tries, and they scored those 21 points. That would be what would make a diff- the difference until the end of the match. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it has been, it's been a good tournament for Portugal. I just want to touch on them first because, I mean, to get that draw against Georgia, granted it was a quite a frantic game where it could have went either way, but really enjoyable. You know, played well against Wales for large patches. How do you think the their tournament will be received within the camp? Do you think they'll be happy so far? Yeah, I think... Look, I'm going to be very serious with you, and I'm going to be go all open now. I'm not just I'm not going to predict the last game and with Fiji because that's still on the on the cards. And but I think they wanted to win against Wales and Australia. I think in even and Georgia, their focus was to like to bring major upsets to this World Cup. I think the camp is. Uh, both happy and sad because happy as they were able to deliver 80% of what they wanted to do and sad because those 20% meant losing tries inside the try area or making bad decision um, in the last 10 meters or conceded penalty uh, on front of the posts uh, or the pole, sorry. And, and that was... And that's gutting for them because when you see Portugal against Australia, they they really dominate the second half. The majority of Australia scored two tries, um, but with all with all honesty, I think Portugal deserved to score at least three in the second half. But if you don't aren't patient enough to wait and to build phases and to throw the ball around a bit and find your way inside the the, the goal area. It's what it is, and I think it's normal because it's a very young. It's a mix of young team with very experienced players, but when you want to quickly score tries to get back to your own field and get the ball back, you make bad decisions. And uh, I think for Portugal, if they if they had at least more two or three games uh, in 2022 with Tier One nations, and at least one more in in, in 2023, I think things could have gone. 10% different, but come on, we're going to be honest, like two years ago or one year ago or even six months ago, who would say that Portugal will, will, will only lose against Wales and Australia by 20 points? No one. I think no one. Um, I I remember that I tried to do some predictions and I predicted like five months ago that Portugal was going to lose against Wales by 30 points because I believe the Gatlin will take the team to the semi-finals. And for now, I'm I'm half right, and I guess Australia because of the crisis there's there with players and coaches and the union and so on. I will I believe they will lose only by twenty five. The only thing I missed, I think I thought they were going to win against Georgia, and well, they had the chance for two times <laughs> and they squandered both. But that's that's how it is, and like just me add this. People say that Ravi is getting boring. I think people don't. I'm not watching the matches. It's 
completely the opposite. It's completely the opposite. I know against Ireland, against Romania, yeah, maybe, or New Zealand against Namibia or so on, but most of the matches are well played. Quick rugby, yeah. I've heard from guys like Drew Mitchell and Keith Wood, who have a lot of respect, that the game is slow. Are they, are they not watching the games? Because I've seen games for the 80s and 90s. You barely played rugby. It was ruck, 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 and step in, step outs. And then and then you had like guys like Gareth Thomas or, or sorry for the other guys from, from that area, the, the, the back line that brought joy as, as, as Serge Blanco and so on. But it was not that great compared to what we're seeing in 2023, that most of the tier two sides are showing some things that tier two nations have mastered after so like 40 years. So for me, it's been so joyous and it's been beautiful for Portugal and for, for Georgia and for Uruguay and Chile. And I'm very happy what's uh, until this point. Yeah, and, and just to kind of put a cap on that point, like, you know, Portugal's attack has been really good. The same as can be said for obviously the Pacific Island nations as we've said mm-hmm. for years. And they do play with this freedom and there's kind of an element of, well, if they had a couple of more games against tier one teams, they could probably know what to fix and know what to prepare and could kind of come in in a better stead. And maybe that's all the game needs to be a little bit more competitive because you are talking about a Portugal side who don't really play against tier one nations, putting it up to Wales and Australia for an hour. And like, if we want the game to go further, like with their style of rugby, with everything, with new countries, that it's very easy to see where you could make improvements. You know, there's no doubt about that. Just finally, before we move off this game, Francisco, I just want to talk about Australia. It looks like they won't be making it out of the pool unless <coughs> Georgia get their first win of the tournament. Um, or sorry, not Georgia. Gets unless Portugal get get their first win and do them a favor. <laughs> um, it has been disappointing for for Eddie Jones, but having watched them as someone who's watching Pool C, what do you think of this Australian side where they are right now? Well, I've been following Australia for quite a long time and New Zealand because I'm, I was always a super rugby nut uh, more than uh, now a URC or the Celtic League or the top 14 or the Premiership. And I think Australia is struggling because, uh, well, I think Eddie Jones tried to do something. He, he did a major overhaul before the, the, the Rugby World Cup and it just didn't pan out. Uh, I don't know. I, I know Eddie, Eddie Jones... Wellish because I drew him three times during his tenure as England's coach, but uh, sometimes it's like this. He he took a gamble with the team and he tried to build something for twenty twenty seven. I think I have already talked this, and not with you, but other guys. That if he was honest enough to say, okay, this team is trying to uh, compete or to get to the quarterfinals in the the World Cup in this World Cup, but our goal is twenty twenty seven. The majority of the public might have been in his side after this cup, even if they got out of the pool stage. Because I was at the stadium against uh, in Portland in the media zone. You could not... Uh, I was shocked at the amount of people booing Eddie Jones. And what, it wasn't the Portuguese fans, it was the Wallaby fans. And I get it. I get there frustrated and angry. And half of it is Eddie Jones' responsibility. The team is... They played well against Portugal because Portugal did allow them to play like that. And for the better of the game, fantastic. But if Portugal were more clinical, more cynical, we ha- we could have uh, get, uh, gone a major upset. But ifs and whens doesn't count for history because it's just fantasy world. But after after everything, uh, the Wallabies need a major overhaul. And I'm going to see something very controversial. But gi- gifting NRL contra- uh, uh, contracts to NRL guys uh, million dollar con- contracts to guys who they even play as a starting uh, guys in a, in a, in the league isn't going to help them. Sorry to say, you have to be- rebuild the grassroots. You have to punch the, the Super Rugby teams. The Brummies have excellent uh, model structure. The Taz, I I I, I fear the Taz for years when I, I, I because I'm a, a major Hurricanes fan, and I fear the Taz. And now it's it's sad just watching them. And I think they are worried with areas of the game that they they shouldn't be worried and that's they should take a note from what South Africa is doing with Razor Erasmus and Jackie Naber and what whatever whoever is directing everything there 
because they're doing everything right. And Australia isn't. It's just, it looks like it's always in a, in a win. Uh, one day they wake up, let's super sub. Dave Rainey Rain was doing, let's say, a good job with Australia and sub with Eddie Jones because he was fired by England. Like, for me, it doesn't, doesn't help. This is They're trying to do a, a transformation for rugby to something else that I know it is. It, it's almost like his big brother. So uh, one of those shows like Jersey Shore and so on. It's At a point, it's fun to watch. But after like uh, f- f- 14 episodes, you say, oh, come on, this has to stop because it's just a f- full share. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's so many things. And from an Irish eye, you know, maybe if David Nusifor was to go back to Australia, following his time in Ireland, maybe that could be the key because he's done a great job here. And, you know, obviously he's had his faults, but he's done a good job here. Just to to round it off with Pool C, Fiji and Georgia was the Pool's other game. And I, I really enjoyed it in in a weird way because of so much <laughs> on the line in this one. And there was that sense of, you know, fear in the Fijians, but then they got the job done. Nike Kalevu's stunning try at the end sealed the deal. And, they're now on the cusp of the quarterfinals, as we mentioned, a potentially top spot. What do you make of, of the game, first of all, Francisco? Well, um, the game, I, I'm in the same position as you because I really enjoyed it. It was, it was not well-played what, what ball handling uh, idea, but the thing is, it was very physical and emotional and until the last minute, you didn't know who was going to win. And I know a lot of people saying it. I'm doing it just a bit fast forward to the end of the match. Uh, Gela Pratice should have stick with the ball, but he was chased by four Fijians. If you go into the ground, I think they, they would they would have snatched the ball from the from the breakdown because he was supporting by two guys, but they were far away. So in the moment, I think that kick was well done, but the the, the guys who supported him should have understood that they, he was going to kick, but. It was an amazing game. I think uh, Fiji didn't expect how physical and serious Georgia was going to be. And I'm saying that Georgia wasn't serious against Portugal or uh, Australia. I think they, I guess Australia lost the match because it's the first half they, kick, they just kicked. And kicking the ball to, to Nakua Katise and, uh, and the other guys, it just... You just you just uh, putting yourself there to be trampled over. So when Fiji has a ball like Niniashvili or Tapuzatse or Luka Matkava, you don't see them in this game against the Fiji. They didn't kick a lot. They just kick when they should have kicked and won something with it. And Fiji had a bad day, you know, with the handling stuff. And but here is the thing: you can see the growth on, on Fiji. Because on the second half, when everything was going like bad, they do, didn't lose composure. They just kept calm and, and and working and working and finding a solution to finally get inside of the box. Yeah, they have that amazing try by the captain. And Botia, chased by six, makes an offload. That, that man deserves a statue because it's just incredible what he could do in, in such a pressured moment. Um, but it was a great game for me. That's how you sell... Um, a good rugby match, and if and sorry to do this again, but if t- some tier one fans could stop with like the moaning around and saying it's not a good cup and so on, if you want teams to grow, you have to stick around with these games and elevate them because it was a good match. I w- I like this match because the emotion, the the let- electricity that was coming out of it was just pure joy, and this is what we want from every team in the World Cup. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree because it's it's one of those where coming into the tournament, we probably have all had Fiji and Georgia as kind of third and fourth, but really, really close to Wales and Australia, even if they weren't going to qualify out of the pool. And it played like that. It played like two close teams, not a lot in it. As we mentioned, Fiji made a couple of errors. Georgia will, yeah, they mightn't be happy with how the game finished. They had an opportunity, but that's that sport, it was in in a thralling finish. Um, just before before we leave it, you know, you cover Georgia a lot. It it feels like, you know, they could have lost to Portugal and and finished bottom of the pool, and they could still, I know, because Portugal play Fiji next. Like it feels like this was a bit of a poor one for Georgia. Or what's your thoughts around their performances? Uh, overall performance was, I think, 
even they they will say it was poor. They were not expecting Portugal to excel so so well in this World Cup. So they were caught they were caught by surprise. Um, they were lucky against Portugal. I know Portugal the first half was awful from the Lobos, but the second half they excelled and Jerry was lucky in the end. I think. Um, and I told this already on Twitter, and I had a little debate with Tier One Tier Two account. Sometimes I don't get along with him, but he's an account that you all should follow because he brings a lot of news and 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 support to the, to, to the sport. But uh, the, I think Georgia peaked between 2022 and and 2023, and Portugal was just waiting to pounce on it, and it's the same as Fiji, and they got to the World Cup. They had a the good team was the best team. Uh, some guys are injured now. Um, for four hills, I they got three more new players outside of the squad because three got injured, like Lasha Jayani, who broke uh, his foot or just did ACW. I have to talk to him to know what happened. But overall, it, it's not the tournament that Georgia was thinking because I know their their minimal goal was to finish at third place and they had high hopes of a quarterfinal I there's a lot of years still to, to do it and I think they're going to do it if people keep, follow them and support them but yeah it wasn't the, part, the, the tournament they wanted because they would their objective was to win at least two games and at now I think against Wales or they are really lucky or it's over excuse me it it has been disappointing from the outside point of view. It was good to get your perspective watching them a lot as well and being closer to the camp. And as always, Francisco, it's great to have you on because it's um it's always get good to get these external perspectives on these things. For those tuning in, we'll hand it back now to my chat with Otavio and Ed. And once again, thanks very much for coming on, Francisco. Thank you again for for having me and everyone. Please follow Colin and see his videos and listen to him. It's such a good show. Come on. Okay. Thank you again. Thank you, Francisco. We go back to our chat with the two lads now. So that was a really good, always great having Francisco on. And like all our guests, great getting that kind of external perspective as instead of being this Irish box as always. Move on now to Pool D, which is where England are, have already qualified, but there's still plenty to play for there. We'll start with the South American Derby. The first one in Rugby World Cup history, uh, believe it or not, at the weekend as Argentina ran out convincing 59-5 wins, winners in a lopsided contest. Otavio, I'll come to you first here. Argentina have a shootout with Japan to come. Um, how, what have you made of them, first of all, and what do you make of them at the weekend? Look, Argentina is living a weird uh, World Cup, let's say, because the first game, I was in Marseille watching the game, and it was crazy the way, like, they, they, they let's say, almost give up with ideas in, in the field and uh, in the fight. So that was different. Now we saw against Chile, Chile that wants to fight, but Argentina was really good with Kubelli and uh, Nicole Sanchez. Those two guys uh, still work really well together. Probably they're going to put some question mark in uh, Chega decision for the next game, the the key game, and maybe they're going to start with Nico Sanchez bringing points, bringing experience in a tough game instead of Santi Carreras, which I love as a Gloucester supporter, a fan from Italy. Uh, yes, I love him, but probably this is not the game he has to start there. Maybe he can start fullback. Can be a different option for the kicking game uh, during during this, uh, this game against Japan. But Argentina was... Com- was really sharp in this game. Uh, they did well. Uh, Isa is one of the best players there now unleashing uh, Fagundo Isa, which is a machine uh, at Toulon. And uh, in, in the moment he left the, the field, he went into bench. Uh, that was the moment they get more chance uh, Chile. So that probably is also connected to what he can do in the field, tackling or uh, carrying the ball. So Argentina pretty confident now, but it's always Argentina. Uh, passion Latinos like uh, like somebody else, and uh, let's see, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, a tough game because you never know against a, a team like Japan. Yeah, absolutely. And Ed, you know, you're an England fan. You were you've followed them through this World Cup. They've played Argentina and Japan. We'll just stick on Argentina for a minute. 
talk about Japan small later on because that first game was just a complete no-show. You could almost write it off as just not being at the race at all against England. They had a week off and then they play out this dire contest with Samoa. They hammer Chile in a 100% of one-horse race and it feels like now this is the first game in a month now essentially where we're actually looking at Argentina and saying what do they have because we're no clearer to know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, the, the the that first game, as you quite rightly say, it was such a weird game because as an Englishman thinking this is, we were all going in with, shall we say, negative expectations. I think we spoke before the World Cup and, and it was, I, I genuinely thought we'd lose that game. Um, and after 35 minutes, you're like, well, going into half time, unless something stupid, unless, it, unless England did something ridiculously stupid, which they didn't for the first time in a, in a long time, um, we we were like, oh well we've won this game this is remarkable, um, and I did think wow what psychological damage is that going to do to Argentina I think they've done well in terms of that I think they probably needed that really gritty hard fought performance against Samoa um, it wasn't pretty by any way save for the imagination but just winning that game um, was was just everything and then obviously yeah Chile you know they they had a great start against Japan. And they've obviously tapered off because they're not used to this level of intensity uh, at a World Cup. You know, it's the first World Cup. They're not used to playing these these standard teams. So they, they, they've they obviously fallen away. But I, I do think Argentina have got... It's weird because they've got more than enough to beat Japan. And if they're playing Wales, I could, they've got more than enough to beat Wales because Wales are a very average side in a, in a very competitive group. But they're not a particularly... They're not paid... You know, they're not being amazing apart from a, a great win against Australia. So I I could see Australia, if sorry, Argentina, I should say, if if they put a game against a, a together, a performance together, yeah, you could see them beating Wales in a, semi, in a, in a quarterfinal. It's, it's very, very doable and, and you know, it's, it's, it's definite possibility. I agree with Otavio, um, 100% start with Nicolas Sanchez at, at uh, 10. Um I mean, say as a Gloucester fan as well, um, you know, we, we really love Santi, but we all think most Gloucester fans, 90% of Gloucester fans see him as a fullback. Um, he reads the game so beautifully. He's so good under the high ball. He can, he can cut lines and he just, he has more time. And a player like that, I think give him more time, as much time as possible. And he can make a big difference. Oh, it'd be interesting to see what way Checker goes because it has, it's been t- something we talked about in this podcast. He's chopped and changed so much that it feels like it's been to their detriment. Hmm. If he does it again, even though it might feel like bigger picture, it could be better for them. There is also that kind of slight down mark in, in the cohesion stakes as well. Um, bef- Before we move off them, you know, might just chat about England here for a minute because you're supposed to be on last week, Ed, so might just take the oh, opportunity yeah. <laughs> now. Um, it's, it's not your fault. It's in, it's entirely no, French you, transport. You can tell it's for a French transport system, which um, yeah, yeah, yeah we benefit yeah. off. <laughs> it's it, it's not the first or last time that it's going to happen in this World Cup. I can assure you that. <laughs> like England are already true. Um, they bet Argentina when Argentina were poor. The Japan game is probably the best one to look out at because mm. Japan did perform. Like if if they have. You know, three or four less knock-ons, it's a one-score game. Like, it's that was the killer for them. England plays Samoa now at the weekend, and Samoa have, have been very disappointing. So, from an English point of view, obviously you said you were quite negative and downbeat after the Ireland game in the warm-ups on this podcast. Where where are you now? Where do you think they are heading into the quarterfinals and well, final pool game, I think, quarterfinals? Um, I, we can't. I did touch on it when we spoke before the start of the World Cup, in the in the daft thing that England, the side of the draw we're on, that we could afford to make a mistake. We haven't, but we could afford to make a mistake and still qualify. And the Japan game felt like the mistake was that was just waiting to happen. Um, and I, that was probably the more dangerous one because you then go, oh, Christ, we've now got to definitely beat Samoa and all, all of the added pressure. I I look at it now and see England. We're in the we're in the quarterfinals. We've topped the pool. No matter what happens against Samoa, uh, we'll probably. I wouldn't be surprised actually if we play a relative or nearly full strength side uh, against Samoa, um, because of the fact we played Chile. We've had a week off, 
and then we've got the quarterfinals. I, I would expect Borthwick to go pretty full. Um, what will be intriguing, though, and it's been kind of already commented on in the press, is whether he brings Farrell back. Um, personally, I wouldn't. I, I probably would still keep him on the bench because he's not, you know, the, the player forward has been the best 10. And I think it's every time we put Farrell in a centre, it, it really disturbs the whole flow of the, the, the side. And and you can't take Chile as a as an example of what, what, how, how the back line could move because it's a different, to be honest, we've got to be, we've got to be respectful, but honest, they're not going to be a, a concern from a defensive point of view if you're England. Um, I, I, I think it looked quite an exciting backline uh, with Arundel on the, on the, on the, on the pitch. I'd probably have him in over May um, just for the additional pace and his elusiveness. Um, and I think the only thing is he's going to bring Curry back almost certainly because he hasn't had any game time and you need to play. Um, I, I, I would expect England to win probably with a bonus point, And then we're going to go into the quarterfinals with really a, a very high chance of getting through. I think I know Fiji beat England in the pre-game, pre-World Cup warmups, but it's a very different experience for Fiji. The injuries, there's a, there's a few little niggles, suspensions possibly, um, I just, I, I have a feeling that they're going to be knackered and I think England will be better, more rested. And I think that's where I said in the, in the, in our pod, in the pods before the world cup, that England are going to get to the semi-final probably without playing much rugby and Ireland could be knocked out. And that's, that's how stupid the world cup is in terms of its format this year. But that's, that's where we are with it. Yeah. Not playing much rugby is kind of in the theme of it. All right. As well, because hmm. You know, we've kind of had a joke between myself and a few mates and in groups. Like, if it is England against Wales in the quarterfinal, I think that's the one that we, you know, that's the one you take off. That's the one you don't have to watch because you're not going to miss a lot apart no. from the scoreline, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that to be rude. It, it's just the way that they've played. They've been pragmatic, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll come back to yourself for the final game in Pool D, Adam. Probably won the games the weekend between Japan and hmm. Samoa. It was really enjoyable, actually. What with an eye to next weekend, we'll we'll get onto that with Japan and possibly get out of the pool. But just first of all, what what do you make of of it as a contest? Probably Samoa's best performance and Japan's best best performance. Yeah, Japan first sixty minutes were excellent. I thought I thought uh, and and I got proper geeky into how they were de- how they were uh, defending rucks as well. Because and the lads I I'm on the podcast with were, were yeah they they got very bored very quickly. Um, but um. It was really interesting to see how Japan went about it. They they clearly um, were targeting Samoa, kind of overcommitting at rucks, um, and then just basically picking them off one uh, one by one until, until about 50, 60 minutes. Um, and then Samoa worked out maybe stop getting people red carded and yellow carded. That would be a really good start um, from from their World Cup. But what was again interesting was how Samoa worked out the, the best solution. We'll just go pick and drive, pick and drive. And um, that last twenty minutes, you suddenly thought, "Ooh, this could get very interesting if Samoa can just keep hold of the ball." But um, Japan just had enough uh, around the fringes. They had enough. I think the the, the try, um, uh, the leech try, I think obviously was the the killer. Um, but I I don't know. Japan are a weird team because they have these little f- flits and and starts in games, and they look like they were from four years ago and then they'll just have an absolute brain fart and do something really stupid um or they'll start almost playing within themselves and start you know kicking the ball away too much and um i don't think they their 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 game management and the systems they've got in place specifically around kick chase are good enough to kick the ball as much as they have been um, and that was what their undoing was against england that's what nearly was the undoing against samoa because samoa just stop dropping the ball um and yeah I, I it was it was a really entertaining game i think there was a few there was a few this weekend which as as we kind of said that all the big boys were off all the big matchups were were, were were weren't weren't on this weekend but um there were some really entertaining games and that was one of them um i felt i did feel for samoa at the end because i thought they despite all of the ill-discipline they still have a very good side there and it's just a case of they they've let themselves down with some very very poor tackling technique and some poor decisions yeah absolutely and 
TV, I was going to get into it anyway, but it went that way as well. Japan probably looked closest than they have to 2019 form in this game than they have in most of their games since 2019. Like there's, there's been moments where you see them attacking and it just, maybe it's the Irish eye because we got beaten by them in 2019, but you just go straight back and, you know, the enjoyment and the free-flowing game they play. Obviously, Jamie Joseph is leaving and that, that's for probably maybe another day's conversation, but even though we kind of all wrote them off, they're still in with a huge chance here and playing their best rugby in a while. And they have also a, a good, another good coach and maybe he's going to prepare some good tricks, which is Tony Brown for the line-out set-piece all around yeah. there. It's going to be interesting against Argentina. Who can, who's going to be smart in that area of the field? But, man, J- Japan looks more, as usual, extra resilient ready to fight, ready to play the same way they want to play since minute one to the end of the game. They never gonna change. They they don't give up, which is one of the other great things about this game. And as you said, yeah, sometimes uh, they are not not that team that you were expecting. Think about also the game against Italy. They they were so bad with the, uh, kicking the ball uh, everywhere. And then now Matsuda got uh, for a couple of games 100% uh, accuracy. So where is the real Japan? I think the real Japan is coming. It's ready to to fight for the for the the game. Probably they pinpoint as uh, the crucial one in uh, in the next uh, round. So it's gonna be really interesting. They they have these these players always. The commitment is huge. And the style, the way they want to play, move the ball really close to the, the to, to the defensive line, uh, being always ready to give option to the ball carrier. It, it's amazing, and that is the the entertaining part of this uh, this team that can bring uh, upsetting results, as we know. Absolutely, could well go that way. But Ed, I'll just finish with yourself. Argentina on nine points, Japan on nine points. Winner is going through unless there's you know a freak result and there's a draw and Samoa beat you <laughs> with a bonus point and in which case I I don't even want to go through the permutations for that as well. Realistically Japan or Argentina one of them is going through um on Saturday, I believe that game is not hundred percent sure. Which way do you see it going? Um I think because Japan's struggle against pragmatic sides I think Argentina probably will be a bit more pragmatic and they will probably play or try to play a kind of forward-dominated uh, attritional game. And I think Japan will struggle. They're going to have to take all their chances at that point, Japan. They're just going to have to basically sling it wide, use that exceptional pace from the 9 and 10 that they've got. And um, if they can if they can take their chances and put pressure on Argentina and sort of get that scoreboard ticking like England did, we know we've seen the mental fragility of Argentina. But if if Argentina can just keep grinding away, keep Japan sort of a bit, again, like England did to Japan, I suppose, just keeping that scoreboard pressure on Japan, I, I, can, I, I would think Argentina would have enough. I think they've got enough star quality in their squad. They've got a, lot, a, bit, a little bit more depth um, to, to probably push them over the line. Um, I'm going to caveat it by saying if Japan get an early lead and say 15, 10, 15 points up, I wouldn't, I'd probably say Japan are going to maybe going to sneak it, but it's my gut, my, my heart. And what I'd like to see is Japan get through because I love the way they play because it's so exciting and it's so attractive. Um, and I love their innovation around um, line outs and rucks and things like that. Um, but my head is Argentina. Understandable. Octavio, in, in a quick word, which way do you say go? Oh, I, I, uh, I love both. I love both. So I'm going with Argentina uh, just because I want to see what can happen after with, uh, with this crazy team that is Argentina. So I'm going there. But I think, as I say, said, straight lines, attacking for straight lines, going with the Huge work of the forwards, Kramer, uh, Madera, and everywhere, keeping the team narrow and then move this ball wide and fast. They can do some damage to to Japan. 
But if they take the lead, it's going to be another game because the, the emotion is there. Let's see. I'm going with Argentina anyway. <laughs> I'll just say Japan just just so we have someone on record saying Japan. Why not? <laughs> we'll close things out with, in Pool A now. Uruguay took on Namibia in midweek. It was Wednesday. I don't have it written down here. 36-26 contest. Really, really enjoyable. Uruguay have been... I don't know what to say about them. All the some of the best games of the tournament have involved Uruguay so far, and like even at that, Namibia probably had won their best World Cup performances. Like they were twenty to twelve up at half time, and they'll feel like they let it slip. Discipline was a big one, as has been for a lot of teams. A lot of the you know the fourth and fifth ranked teams in each pool, discipline has been a major factor. Octavia, I'll just come to you real quickly on this one before we leave it. A, a good performance from Namibia. Uruguay bounced back from their defeat to Italy. I think both sides would be relatively happy with how this went. Yeah, they, for the potential they, they have uh, in general, like Namibia, uh, they fight without players. They still fight. Alistair Kotsi used to play for uh, Coach in Italy last year with, uh, with Rovigo, for example. But um, Uruguay, yes, they, they fight, uh, but they never had chance to to face big team in the last four years. So they focus on the the game against us. And now they get anyway the, the victory. So I hope to see more Uruguay games with uh, big uh, big guns and the same for uh, for Namibia. That is going to help them develop because they need it. Uruguay play only against us twice because we play with Italy A with the second team. If not, they never play against Argentina, Georgia or other team like that. They play against Namibia in August to get ready in Chile. No, it's, it's, it's not great preparation, really. I understand it helps them get the job done against Namibia, but in the long term, in the you know, if they want to see the game get better and improve and get more games like these between very good teams ranked, you know, outside the top twenty in the world, then that's we need to help them. We need to help them get there. Um, Ed, I, you know, what more do can you add apart from just Really, really good game in Uruguay. Yeah, they didn't have the heroics of 2019, but they certainly haven't haven't hit away from any challenge in this tournament. Now, Uruguay, uh, well, it's a close one between between Uruguay and Portugal for my new favourite uh, tier two Understandable. team. Um, and um, I'm going to say Uruguay because they've got better away shirts. Their, their, <laughs> their sort of goldy orange shirt is my absolute favourite shirt of the World nice. Cup. Um, but you can't get it anywhere. I've looked, uh, unless I want to try and get it sort of shipped from Montevideo, and I don't fancy the shipping costs. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's just brilliant, and it's what what I think. The more that people can watch these teams, I mean, I think you mentioned what can we do? What can we do to sort of help Uruguay? And my my sort of thought theory is this: Look, you get a Lions tour every every mid World Cup cycle. And normally what happens is England go on a little tour down to Argentina. Can't we do an extra talk? You know, one of the the home nations does that. Bolt, in, bolt on a couple of tests against Uruguay. Yeah. It, I mean, it, to me that, it, you know, that, that, that would be a far more enjoyable and useful test for the wider squad. And also for Uruguay, it gets an opportunity to play against one of the big teams uh, at home as well. And you think how much that's going to mean to the Uruguayan rugby population and, and, and South American rugby in general. Yeah, absolutely. It, it would be great. And I, something I spoke on my Twitter during the week as well, that you take a Lions tour year, for example, and, you know, you get the odd, the, the odd games. So say New Zealand might have, you know, France or whatever. It's like, why can't we have Wales going to South America and Ireland go to the Pacific Island nations and England go to Japan and, and so on and, and spread it out? Like, I, it's a stepping stone then. I know it'd be great if they brought them in for the the Autumn Nation series, but now that that's kind of centrally organised, that's just not going to happen. You know, that's the reality of it now. It's, it's a pity because it's a case of money talks in that regard. That's been really good talking to you and we will have conversations about the state of the game, tier two nations, you know, and so on and so forth across the season and the direction this podcast will be going in. But for now, thank you so, so much for joining me. It's been, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. For those at home, I will be back on Thursday and Sunday, I believe, with the respective preview and recap podcasts of Ireland against Scotland Day. A mini knockout game in the pool stages, which takes place Saturday night. That is on 
Saturday at 8pm and we will have our final pool stage recap on Monday as well so as always thanks home to everyone for listening if you like what you see or hear always please do subscribe and leave a review and share and tell a friend it, it makes all the difference you can find the links for our guests Artavio and Ed's Twitter pages down below as well as their respective podcasts and for my own social media but for now and until next time take it easy Sports Social Podcast Network Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.